Hey everybody, thanks for joining us once again. Today we've got a powerful message for you on faith, preached by Jabin Chavez, the pastor of City Light Church. Go ahead and check it out. Hey, it's an honor to be here. Why don't you grab a Bible? We're going to go right to the text and um, we're just going to see what the Lord would do tonight. Uh, by the way, just shout out to... Ted Shuttlesworth, I thought last night was absolutely the best. So great. So great. And uh, so honor you, man. Honor your gift and what you're doing. Second uh, Kings chapter 7. And I'm actually going to read out of the message translation. So you may or may not have that. So if you don't, it'll come up on the screen for you. And Second um, Kings chapter 7 at the end of this great conference we're going to read quite a bit of scripture but it's all good and um, if you love the bible say yeah okay you love the bible all right so you're going to stay with me follow along on the screen second Kings 7 verse 1 through 9 elisha said listen god's word the famine is over how many think that's just a good place to smile at least i mean come on at least give me a little grin right there i mean that's good news like elisha's saying there's about to be a seasonal change in your life what was dry and where there was battle and, and where there wasn't breakthrough the prophet is declaring there's about to be a change by this time tomorrow food will be plentiful a handful of meal for a shekel two handfuls of grain for a shekel the market at the city gate will be buzzing but the attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, you expect us to believe that? Trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out? Look what Elisha says. You'll watch it with your own eyes, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. Verse 3, and it happened. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. And they said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. Now, I, I love this line. If they receive us, we'll live. This, this next line is like just straight up like, you know, western New York, upstate New York, common sense right here. If they kill us, we'll die. Come on, isn't that great? That's like just keeping it real. If they kill, we'll die. <laughs> Look at this next line. We've got nothing to lose. Say that out loud. Come on, real loud. We've got nothing to lose. Say it like you just drank a Red Bull. Come on. We've got nothing to lose. Got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. And when they got there to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. For the Master or the Lord, Yahweh God, Jesus Himself, God Almighty, had made the army of Aram heard the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. And they told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So panicked, they ran. Now just underline that, panicked. You got to know this about the enemy. You don't need to be panicked. The enemy is panicked. You don't have to be scared. The enemy's scared. The reason that the enemy uses fear is because he's so full of fear. they ran for their lives through the darkness abandoning tents, horses, donkeys the whole camp just as it was running for dear life and these four lepers entered the camp when they went to the tent uh, they ate, they drank, they grabbed silver gold, clothing, bling <laughs> it was amazing 
Then they came back, entered another tent. They looted it, again, hiding their plunder. Finally, they said to one another, this, look at this passage. We shouldn't be doing this, for this is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Here's what you need to know about when, when God does a work in your life, when God does something in you, you have a moment of grace for that thing that God did in you to then go through you. And if you don't allow the miracle to not just go in you, but if you don't allow the miracle to go through you, you'll miss the season. That's why we go to camps and conferences and two weeks later, we're atheists. <laughs> we're going, well, I don't feel God anymore. And that was just emotionalism. It wasn't emotionalism. We just didn't allow what God did in us to go through us. And so the anointing lifted. So these guys knew, okay, God has just done something, done something great in me. Now I must activate it by faith so I don't miss the miracle. So look what they say. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. One more scripture, John 16 and verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come but if I do go away then I will send him to you these are the words of Jesus John 14 15 and 16 are the last really words of Jesus to his disciples it is it is the last supper conversation and at the end of the conversation at the end of the dinner Jesus is saying guys I'm about to go to heaven but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and this moment this upper room moment this this great moment, this good moment, this God moment, it, it's, it's amazing, but this moment must end so you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is basically saying, guys, if you think this is good, you wait till you go back to your world with the anointing and watch what will happen. Hmm. One more time. Verse 3 of 2 Kings 7. And it happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate, and they said to one another, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Tonight I want to talk about taking a step of faith, believing God, um, responding to everything we've received this week, and not making it a private party, but going back to our world. And, and I want to preach from this subject tonight. We can't stay here. We can't stay here we can't stay here now listen I cannot only get amens from Ted tonight okay I'm gonna need amens from everybody tonight can I get an amen from somebody so as I'm preaching you know you can say amen you can say preach it you can say that's good uh, I don't know if it's a good thing that I need audience response so much but I'm just gonna keep it real I need it okay so if you can't say amen at least give me a Baptist smile give me a Catholic nod give me something okay if you can't give me a Pentecostal shout I'll take anything okay but just give me something tonight. I believe God is going to speak to us tonight and change our lives. Who's with me? Come on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Thank you for what you're going to do right now in this amazing place. Lord, I thank you that everything we've received over the last three days has been so good. It's been so awesome. But now, Lord, we're ready to take this back to the city. Lord, we don't want to make this a private party. And we know tonight we cannot stay here. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody shout amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much, man. Um, in the 19th century, there was a, uh, a famed tightrope walker. This guy was uh, pretty unbelievable. He would walk across buildings and uh, different high structures in Europe, and, and he became just world-renowned. So finally, there was a, a, a promoter here in America that found out about him, uh, actually went over to Europe, found him in Paris, and said, I want you to come back to America, and I want you to walk across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And so the dude was like, yeah, let's, let's go, turn up, you know, let's do it. So they go back to America, uh, thousands and thousands of thousands of people come, and this crazy European walks across the Niagara Falls for the first time on a tightrope. And I mean, people are going crazy. People are losing it. And he goes, listen, if you think that was cool, watch this. He puts a blindfold on and walks back again. And at this time, I mean, like, you know, women are fainting. You know, women want to be with him. Men want to be like him. You know, children are saying, can you be my father? You know, I mean, it was just like, it was unbelievable. This was, he was the man. But then the third time he takes off uh, the blindfold and he gets a wheelbarrow. Y'all know what a wheelbarrow is out here in New York? Y'all know about wheelbarrows? Y'all know what wheelbarrows are? Okay, four of you, wheelbarrows, okay. And so um, he gets a wheelbarrow, and he walks across again. And this time it's kind of anticlimactic. I mean, he's just done it by himself. He's done it with a blindfold now. I mean, now he's got this. He's kind of, you know, balancing himself. It's kind of weak. You know, the, the cheers kind of go down. And, and he gets back to the audience and says, okay, guys, I know what you're thinking, but, but uh, let's, let's take this up to the next level. Who believes that... I can walk across again with somebody in the wheelbarrow. And people like, you know, turn down for what hits, you know, on the sound system. And it's like, you know, it's like amazing, right? People are jacked up. So everyone's like, we believe, we believe. Said, no, 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 no. Who, for real, who believes I can do it? I believe, I believe. People are shouting, I believe, I believe, I believe. So he finally looks at the promoter. He says, uh, sir, do you believe I can do this? He goes, of course you can. He said, no, 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 sir. I mean, for real. Do you really believe that I can walk across this tightrope with a joker in the wheelbarrow? He said, of course I do. You're amazing. You're the best. You've, you've obviously never failed. You're still alive, and I don't think you're going to start with someone today. Of course you can do it. He said, okay, you're sure? He said, yes, I'm sure. I'm 100% sure. He said, okay, great. Get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Friend, I've got news for you today in Horseheads, New York. That is the life of faith. The life of faith is not watching Jesus do great things. The life of faith is not sitting on the sideline being a spectator. The life of faith is not watching God do miracles for other people. The life of faith is not simply witnessing what God can do for another person, but the real life of faith is when you finally decide to get in the wheelbarrow with Jesus. Like the song said, God, you've never failed, and you're not going to start now, so this is a scary moment. This is a crazy moment. My stomach's turning. My heart is pounding. It's cold. It's wet. It's crazy. But God, I believe that you can do what you said you can do. And I'm not going to live my whole life just watching you do great things. I want to be a part of a great thing. So I'm going to get in the wheelbarrow and I'm going to see what only God can do. Come on, if you believe it, make some noise for Jesus right now. And, and, and listen to me. The life of faith is scary. Ever forget that? The reason it takes faith is because it's scary. If it wasn't scary, it wouldn't take faith. And, and, and catch this. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is. 
That means that you can be full of faith and full of fear at the same time and still obey God. You believe God, but you're freaked out, but you do it anyway. That's faith. Faith is not being fear-free. Faith is obeying God right in the middle of it. I mean, I mean, we think about great men and great women of the Bible. I mean, we call them great, but they were just jacked up just like you and me. Think about, you know, Elijah calling down fire from heaven. I mean, we act like he just had like this Holy Ghost swag, right? Like, if the Lord is God. We don't know. I guarantee his legs were shaking. If the Lord is God, fire's going to fall. I hope Jesus. You know what I mean? He's freaking out. Think about Peter walking on the water. He wasn't all bold, like, oh, shikabababahata. He wasn't like that. It's like, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He only got two steps and then he sank. He wasn't, he wasn't some awesome man. He, he just had a little bit of faith. This encourages me because many of us are waiting for like this super high faith to believe God when in reality it doesn't take much. Jesus said all you got to have is a mustard seed. That means that you could actually have more fear than faith and still obey and still see a miracle even though your flesh is freaking out. But you got this little fire of faith in your spirit that says, I think God can do something. You take that step. And that's why great men of God don't walk around with a chip on their shoulder acting like they're all that. They walk around humble because they know if it is not for the grace and mercy of God, I couldn't do anything. Think about Abram when he walks up to his wife and says, Honey, uh, 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 Yahweh, uh, Yahweh spoke to me and he said, We got to go. You try to tell your wife, We packing up and going. Where? I don't know. <laughs> if you're married in here, you know you can't just do that. <laughs> Can I get a married amen from somebody? We're going, praise God, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, amen, hallelujah, shundo. No, you don't do that. You're like, baby, I think the Lord spoke to me. I don't know if it's pizza, but I think he said that we got to go, and I don't know where we're That's how you do it. But she said, where are we going? He said, I'm not sure where we're going, but I do know this. We can't stay here. Because I got a word from the Lord. Write this down. Courage from the Lord. <laughs> don't be scared. Okay. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is obeying God in the midst of fear. I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to write that down. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's obeying God in the midst of fear. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you wait for the fear to leave before you obey God, you will never obey God. Well, once the fear, I just don't have a peace right now. If, if you have so lowered the peace of God to a feeling in your tummy, you'll never do anything for God. When Pastor Spencer built this building and built this church and started, there, there were some sleepless nights. There were some nights that he went to bed and just said, Lord, I, I think I heard you and I think you're going to do it and praise God and here we go. And, and you just take a step of faith. And you just believe and you just, you know, when, when you do a free conference that costs $30,000 and you just hope people show up. 
And then you just hope they give in the offering. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you, don't, you don't do God stuff with arrogance. You don't do God things with pride. You do God things with a limp. You do God things a little freaked out. But, but, but you made up in your mind, God, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it even if I have to do it scared. If you tell me to say it, I'll say it even if I have to say it scared. If you tell me to pray it, I'll pray it even if I have to pray it scared. Because I would rather go to bed at night knowing I obeyed God then go to bed at night wondering what could have happened, should have happened, would have happened if I would have said yes to Jesus. Come on, do I got any faith people tonight that just say, I can't stay here. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Listen, take a risk. Jabin, what if I do and it doesn't work? What if it does work? What if I pray for that person and they don't get healed? What if they do? What if I witness that person and they laugh in my face? What if they get saved? Who knows? I don't want to live my life wondering what could have happened. I would rather go to bed and the world calls me a failure. But I was true to that God said in my spirit. I was true to the word. I, at least I tried, Joker. You can hate on me all day, but at least I tried. It's like, it's like, it's like a, um, you know, we got guys that watch, you know, basketball and, and, or football, whatever. I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic. And, and, and there's, it's one thing to sit on your lazy boy and scream at the quarterback how you would have done things different. But you, you know, 300 pounds with a whopper in your, in your, in your hand and chicken wings in the other going, oh, I would have done that different. I could have thrown that pass. Let me have a milkshake, honey. Okay. You don't get to talk, Joker, because you're on the couch. And I'd rather be what Pastor Ted said. I'd rather be hated on, but at least I'm in the field. At least I'm in the game. At least I'm taking some hits. At least I can say I got in this thing and I didn't just sit on a couch. I didn't just sit behind social media being critical about everybody. At least I tried to do something great for God. Come on, is there anybody that wants to do something great for God? Make some noise if you are here with me right now. Hallelujah. This is the life of faith, friend. And if, and if you're waiting for the little warm fuzzies in your tummy, you'll never do anything for Jesus. My wife and I, over two and a half years ago, went full-time on the road. No paycheck, no severance, no money, no nothing. And we just took a step of faith. Friend, when I did that, I didn't have a little warm fuzz. I didn't wake up floating, speaking in tongues every morning. I woke up every night about 3 a.m. going, <laughs> Y'all haven't been there yet. You'd be insanely laughing with me, just like I am. Going, how are we going to pay the bills, Jesus? At the, at the end of, of the, the first six months of our ministry, God spoke to me and said to do a worship CD. We had put a little bit of money away, and we put every penny into the worship CD. And we started January 2013, zero. zero. Now, I'm not encouraging you to do that, friend, okay? But I'm telling you this. I wasn't walking around like I was all that. I was walking around like, Lord, I... Jesus, I think you said, I'm pretty sure you said, I, I believe you said, but I'm so glad that I didn't wait for a feeling to obey God. I had the word of the Lord. 
I had a scripture. I had a promise. I had wise counsel around me. I had a board around me that said, yeah, if, if, man, if God's speaking to you, do it. Friend, I would rather live like that. And you know what? If that CD would have bombed and I would have lost all that money that we put into it, hey, at least I could stand here right now, 2014, and say, man, guys, I tried this thing one time. It was terrible. But at least I would have known. And I want to live my life knowing that I've done something for Jesus. Can I get a good amen right now? So in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, the Bible declares that Israel is in a terrible place, a bad place, a dark place, a, a low place. It, it got so bad, the famine got so bad. This was not a famine from drought. This was a famine because the enemy was on the city gate. And so uh, they could not trade. They couldn't bring food in and out of the city. It got so bad that parents literally began to eat their children. I mean, this was the lowest of the low. This is one of the lowest and darkest moments in Israel's history, but I want you to know that God specializes in moving in low moments. God has a way of breaking into dark places. God has a way of, man, when you've run out of every other option and you've tried everything else and, man, it seems like you've hit a wall everywhere else and you feel like you're in a low place, a dark place, a hopeless place, there's just something about God that moves in that moment. There's something about God that can, that can go into the lowest place, the darkest place, the worst place, and turn the whole thing around. I want to talk to people that you know you're going back to a dark place. You're going back to a messed up home. You're going back to a crazy family. You're going back to some issues. And you're saying, okay, man, it's great in here, but, but God, i got to go back there. I just want you to know that God's going to be with you. He's going to turn some things around in your family. He's going to turn some things around in your school. He's going to turn some things around wherever you work. Our God has a way of going into dark places and turning things around. And I love this because Elisha, verse 1 of chapter 7, says, listen. The famine's over. <laughs> Us preachers, we say some dumb stuff sometimes. We get up here, feel the anointing, feeling all bold. The famine's over. <laughs> and those people in that room kind of looked at Elisha, how some of y'all are looking at me. Because listen to me. The famine wasn't over. But it was to Elisha. In the natural, it wasn't over. But Elisha wasn't in famine because he was connected to a greater source because God wasn't in famine. And so Elisha could declare the truth of his position in God that is greater than the facts that were around him. So in the natural, the famine was still alive and well, but in the spirit of Elisha, he said, this famine is over. See, friend, you, you must remember this, that everything that happens in the kingdom starts with a seed. It starts with the seed of faith. It starts with the seed of the Word of God. The Bible declares, the Apostle Peter says, we have the incorruptible seed of the Word inside of us. And so before anything changes in the natural, it must first change in our spirit. There must be something in us that says, 
This is over. Now, it's not over yet in the natural. I don't see the change yet, but something in me says that God can turn this around. If you remember Genesis 1, when we read, let there be light, but in the real transliteration, God said, light be. You know why he could say that? Because he is light. So he spoke to what he already possessed and declared it with his mouth, and then the natural came into alignment. Now, if you're 12, you might need to check Instagram real quick. But I'm talking to somebody right now that needs to hear this. Because you have unlimited resource because Christ in you, the hope of glory is in you. And when you say the famine is over, when you declare things that God has said in his word, it must come to pass. Not because you're all that, but because he's all that. Listen to me. When you say what God has said, God will do what you say. That's a tweet. When you say what God has said, God will do what you say. Because he's honoring his word in your mouth. And he said that my word will never return unto me void, but it will accomplish the thing I've set it out to do. And when we declare the word of God, things happen. Look at Romans 4, 17. Uh, the apostle Paul said in the New Living that God can make a new thing out of nothing. God can make a new thing out of nothing. And I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you need a new thing in your life, and maybe you've been in a nothing place. I mean, nothing's working. No breakthrough. No, I mean, nothing is happening. It's just like, God, where are you? You're in a nothing place. But God says, I can make a new thing out of nothing. This is the God that we serve. And write this down. Many times what God is saying and what you are seeing are two totally different things. But you just stay faithful to what God said. And God will stay faithful to what you said. So you walk around going, I'm so glad my stepdad is saved. And he's lost as ever. Oh man, my school is, Jesus, I thank you that my school is saved. And you know your school's all jacked up. Lord, I thank you that my city is on fire for you. Lord, I thank you that there's a revival in Elmira. There's a revival in this part of New York. There's a revival. And, and they, there ain't no revival, but there is in you because you can't start a revival till you are a revival. But you've been revived and you've been awakened and, and, and you've had an uproar. You've had a change. And so now you, be, you begin to declare what God has done in you to your atmosphere. And pretty soon your atmosphere lines up with your word. Come on, give Jesus some praise right now. Come on, clap your hands and stir me up a little bit. Come on. So, so, so Elisha declares this. I mean, it's all his faith talk, his preacher talk, his prophet talk. And there's a dude in the room who... Verse 2, you expect us to believe that? There was an attendant, catch the phrasing, on whom the, uh, the, the king leaned. Maybe I should ask you this question. What are you leaning on right now? <laughs> Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What, what are you leaning on? 
Are you leaning on culture? Are you leaning on your society? Are you leaning on media? Are you leaning on what the world is saying? Because whatever you're leaning on is where you're going to get your faith from. And there was this guy, and, and I want you to catch this. I want to talk to church people real quick. If you're not a church person, I love you, but let me just talk to church people. I'm a church person. I'm, I'm born and raised in church. We can get so comfortable, catch this, in the king's house that when the word of God goes out, we don't even hear it anymore. And God brings an Elisha into our life that declares a prophetic word or declares the preaching. God puts a pastor in your life and you've gotten so comfortable with the king that you can't even hear the word anymore. You've gotten so comfortable in the king's house that you've told yourself this is your house. But it's the king's house. This isn't my world. This is the king's world. This isn't my domain. This is the king's domain. And I want to be close to the king. I want to worship the king. I want the king to be my best friend. But, but I never want to forget that he is the king. And I love Jesus, and Jesus is my best friend. And, I, and I, man, I love Jesus with all my heart, but, but I, I never want to forget that he's not just Savior, he's Lord. That, that he's not just gentle, he's a king. He, he's my king. He's, he's my creator. He brought me into this world. He will take me out of this world. And I want to reverence him as king. And here's how I know that I'm reverencing the king, that when the word of God goes out, there's reverence in that moment. I don't blow it off. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not checking out. I'm not chewing gum and then putting it under the seat. Because <laughs> this is the king's house. Hello. I, I, I'm going to honor the king by honoring his house, by honoring the preaching, by honoring the word, because I never want to get so comfortable in the king's house that I miss what the king and the prophet would say. So, so let, me, let me tell you this. You know, these aren't redneck jokes, but, you know, you know you're a redneck if. Well, you know you're a little too comfortable in the king's house. If when we begin to worship God with a song and you go, I've already, man, this is the hundredth time we sang this song. Well, let me tell you why you're doing that. Because you didn't bring a lost person to church. So you're worried about the king's house feeding you instead of about bringing people in. Because if you brought someone... Not only would you be worshiping, but you'd be praying the whole time. Lord, oh man, this is such a perfect song for them. Oh man, Lord, would you help it, man? Would this song minister to them? Lord, would this song touch your heart? Oh man, Jesus, would you? When, when, when pastor tells a story that you've already heard, you know, oh, he already told this story. He's told this story before. You don't do that. You, you've got people with you. You're not comfortable in the king's house. You're bringing people into the king's house. You're going, oh man, I remember this story. Oh man, I remember how this story ministered to me three months ago. Now I'm sharing it again. Man, I've got a friend with me. Man, this is going to be perfect. This is going to help them. This is going to save. This could be the thing that's going to break into their hearts. See, I don't want to get so comfortable in the king's house that I convince myself it's my house. And so Elisha says, you're going to see the move of God, but you won't experience it. Hear me. You cannot stop a move of God, but you can miss a move of God. <laughs> and Here's the thing that I thought about with this guy. He's in the king's house. In other words, famine would never touch him. Because he was in the king's house. He was under the umbrella of the king. And he had gotten so disconnected from his world and his city 
that he no longer cared if the famine ever broke. Because how many know the king was going to get food and the king was going to eat? And because this guy was connected to him, he was okay. Listen, we can get so comfortable in the king's house, and man, we're saved and we're going to heaven, and, but we forget there's a world out there that's in famine, that needs Jesus, that needs a miracle, and that needs your message and your story. They need you. And so, hear me, when I come to church, I want to be comforted by Christ, but then I want to be uncomfortable for Christ. So, man, come to this altar and boo-hoo and do your thing and weep and wail and fall out in the spirit and speak in tongues and do all your deal, but then take it out. I just, I just need a little more time at the altar. I just want to soak a little bit. You've soaked long enough. You look like a prune. Go out there and help somebody. I just want to marinate in the prayer. I just need somebody to pray for me. You know, go pray for somebody else. Maybe God will talk to you while you're praying for somebody else. Maybe we just got a little too comfortable, and God's saying, Take what I've done in you out. So verse 3. Oh, man, I love verse 3. It happened, the Bible says. Everybody say that out loud. Come on, say, it happened. Say it like a Pentecostal. Come on, it happened. Mm, okay. It happened. Every person in this room needs a it happened moment. It's a God moment. It's a God idea. It's a dream. It's a phrase. It's a book idea. It's a movie idea. It's a song idea. It, it, it's, a, it's a strategy idea for your city. It's, a, it's an it happened moment. Everybody needs an it happened moment. I've had many of these moments. with. I can remember the first time I had an it happened moment. It's the day I got saved, June 10th, 1998, Del Rio, Texas. God bless Texas. And I, for the first time, I awakened to the Holy Spirit. I awakened to God, and I knew on that day I needed Jesus. That was an it happened moment. I remember the day I got called into ministry. That was a it happened moment. I remember the day God called me to Las Vegas. That was another it happened moment. Every person in this room needs moments with God that can awaken you to the spirit of God, to your dream, to your destiny, to your purpose, to the reason that you are on the planet. It's an it happened moment. Luke 15 says about the prodigal son, when he came to his senses... Every person in this room needs moments where you come to your senses, where you, where you are reawakened and, and, and illuminated with the Spirit of God. It's, it's a God moment. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a God thing that God does it. And notice that the, the man in the room with the king, the attendant, he couldn't hear it, but four lepers hear it. Misfits, outcasts. People that society had rejected. People that religion said you're cursed. People that everybody else had given up on. But God says there's these four dudes out at the city gate that they're not perfect, but they're willing. They don't have it all together, but I see willingness in them. They're, they're missing some pieces. <laughs> they're lepers. Come on, somebody. We don't know what they had left. Maybe they lost some things along the journey, but they're willing. God is not calling perfect people. He calls willing people. Ed Cole said that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 
And tonight you may feel like you were born on the wrong side of the tracks with the wrong family. Uh, you've done the wrong things. The wrong things have done to you. And, and, and everything the enemy is screaming at you, you're disqualified, disqualified. You can never be used by God. You can never do anything great. You can never get an education. You can never prosper. You can, you can never do what God has called you to do. But, but God has a way of looking for lepers. God has a way of looking for the weak things of this world and making them strong and wise. He has a way of calling the last and making them first. Come on, I don't know if, if you're in this room, but if you know you're not perfect, but you're forgiven, come on, give God a shout of praise because He's not looking for perfect religious people. He's looking for anybody that'll just say, okay, I've made some mistakes, but God, if you can use anybody, use me. Lepers were the lowest of the low in their society, and yet that's who God uses to break a famine over a city. They were the lowest of the low, and yet that's who God used to change a nation. And they say, what are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing here at the city gate? What are we, what are we doing here? We got, we got one foot in and one foot out, and if, if we stay here, we'll die. I've got news for you. Um, Unless Jesus returns, everybody in this room will die. I don't know if you've ever had that revelation. Let me just give it to you. That's a really deep biblical revelation. Um, unless Christ returns in our generation, we'll die. So these jokers had it right. They're like, okay, if we stay here, we'll die. <laughs> if we go back to our old life, we'll die. So we might as well try to do something great. And if we die, we die. If we live, we live. But at least we tried to do something great. What a great way to live. I don't know if, I don't know if I'll live to be 60. I don't know if I'll live to be 100. I, I want to live a long time. I want grandkids and great-grandkids. And I want, you know, put, put in the dentures. Come on, somebody. I want the whole thing. But I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if Christ will come while I'm alive or not. But, but here's what I do know. I do know that, that I don't want to die at the city gate wondering what could have happened if I would have obeyed. I don't, I don't want to die going back to my old life. I, I want to live my life and one day die and hear these words from Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on, enter into all that I have for you. Why? Because I just decided I can't stay here. I'm going to take a step of faith and see what only God can do. And, and they look at each other and they say, yo... Well, we got nothing to lose. Listen to me. When you obey God, the only thing you lose is your pride. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, we might die, might not. Let's go. Turn up. <laughs> Let's go. Let's see. Let's just see what happens. One person said it like this: every man dies, but not every man lives. And notice this in verse 5, once they decide to take a risk, once they take a step of faith, God backs them up. Raven Hill said it like this, one person with God is the majority. You might be the only person in your family that's saved. You might, be the only, you might feel like the only person on your campus that's a Christian. You might feel like the only person in your, in your workplace that's a Christian. You, you might feel all alone. But friend, one person with God, one man with God, one woman with God is the majority. Because you have all of heaven backing up what you're doing. And notice the miracle didn't happen until they walked. The moment they took a step and went towards their destiny, 
the enemy began to hear. Look at this, look at this text. I'll just read it to you. Isaiah 52, 12. God said, I'm leading you out of here. We can't stay here. I'm, I'm leading you out of this place. And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Catch it. God says, when you take a step of faith, I will go before you. And I'm so big, I'm so bad, I'm so God that I will also be behind you. And I'm so big, I'll be on your left and I'll be on your right. I'll be above and I'll be beneath. God says, whenever you take a step of faith for me, I will become your personal entourage. I will become your personal clique. I will begin to walk with you and talk with you. And when you walk, the enemy does not hear your footsteps. The enemy hears an army. Why? Because God never rolls alone. He rolls Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But He always takes a legion of angels with Him wherever He goes and you begin to walk and you're scared and you're freaked out and you're going, I hope this works. But what you don't know is that the enemy is already panicked, is already fleeing because the enemy hears an army. Come on, shout if you're part of that army right now. Come on. Hey! Woo! Notice that. They didn't hear it. The devil heard it. You walk onto that campus and you're freaked out. But what you don't hear in the spirit is an army rolling in. You walk back into your house tomorrow and you're discouraged or tonight. You're, you're discouraged because dad's drunk and mom's mad and fights are happening. I mean, it's just a terrible. You walk in, you're just, you're just trying to get to your room. But what you don't know is that as you walk, the enemy begins to hear your footsteps. You walk back into that workplace and your manager is giving you a hard time about being a Christian. You're always asking off time to be in church and be at conferences and do these things. And they're, they're hating on you and they're persecuting you. But, but, but tonight something's going to happen to you and you're going to walk back and you might be a little bit scared and your stomach might be turning and you might have some sweat like me right now falling down from your forehead but 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 something in you says I think God can do something in my life and, and what you don't know is that there's actually an army backing you up and you look back and God's there you look in front of you God's there you look to the left God's there you look to the right God's there everywhere you look there is God because he says when you go I go when you speak, I speak. When you move, I move. The enemy flees. These four lepers go into this camp and there is enough food and money and drink and everything else to break the famine in their nation. they realize something we've been immeasurably blessed right now wow but, but I can't keep this to myself you know the moment you got saved the Bible says in Colossians that the very Godhead lives inside of you <laughs> Paul says that, that Christ in you the hope of glory lives inside Paul says the temple of the you become the temple of the Holy Ghost God says, I will be your father. You will be my... I mean, think about this. We, we have more than a camp full of gold and bling and Beats by Dre and iPad minis. We have God in us. But, but we can't make it a private party. 
got to take what God is doing in us and have enough faith to say, okay, God, now do something through me. And they go back to their city and everything changes. And God takes the weakest and the lowest and He makes them famine breakers. Nation shakers, world changers. Just lepers, they ain't men of God, hallelujah, I'm a man of God. No, I'm just a leper. I ain't all that. I'm just a leper. I'm not a big deal, I'm just a leper. I don't have it all together. I'm just a lep. I'm just this guy that I didn't even find Jesus. He found me. I was just messed up, broken out on the city gate, about to die. I, I had nothing good to give God, but God had everything good to give me. And one day he awakened me to the gospel. He awakened me to his goodness. He awakened me to his kindness. And something in me said, I don't want to stay in my sin. I don't want to stay in my junk. I, I think God has a plan for my life. And and, and, and the very faith that I have to believe God, God gave to me, for He gave me a measure of faith, and something in me said, I don't want to stay here, I want to go with God, and, and now here I am 15 years later, and I'm still that same leper that God saved 15 years ago in Del Rio, Texas, just a sinner saved by grace, and because of what Jesus did, I have become the righteousness of God, not because I'm all that, but because He's all that. Not because of the price I paid, but because of the price He paid. And is there anybody in this room that says, I'm not perfect, but man, I serve a perfect God. I can't give God a perfect offering, but He became the perfect offering. If that's you, come on, stand up on your feet. If there's anybody that says, Jabin, I can't stay here. I'm ready to do whatever God's called me to do. Spirit, lead me. Come on, lift up your hands and say that right now. Come on. Come on, take me deeper. that I know we're, we're going back to our homes and we're going back to jobs we're going back to school we're going back to real life we we can't do this be in church three times a day we can't it's not real life 
But God is so big and so real that we can now take what he's done and take it back. And the Bible says that the master made the enemy here, the, the, the Lord. It's not about us. The Lord does this work. So Jesus is with his disciples and they basically ended a great uproar conference. Let's keep it real. That's basically what happened. I mean, they, they, they've sat at the table for hours and they've been eating fish and lamb and pita bread. This was not gluten-free. Come on, there was carbs and hummus and stuff. Non-alcoholic wine. Come on, somebody. Who knows? I don't know. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're chilling, man. They're having a good time. And no doubt it was a holy moment. No doubt it was a God moment. No doubt Jesus had been teaching on prayer and using his name. I mean, we talk about, we talk about good preaching. For hours through John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is pouring out new covenant realities. But then, guys, the, the dinner was beginning to end. And Jesus said, guys, uh, did you enjoy the dinner? They said, oh, yeah, man. Best conference ever, Jesus. And, and no doubt, I, I think it would have been John he was such a lover and so sensitive he would have just said let's, let's just stay a couple more days have revival right here up in this upper room Jesus says God I wish, I wish we could but, but I have a cross to go to and then I'm going to be buried and I'm going to be raised from the dead and then soon after that I'm, I'm going to heaven and no doubt the disciples were sad because they they love this moment, just kind of like we do, right? I mean, I love this moment. But he said, guys, don't be discouraged. I'm sending you somebody. I'm sending you the Holy Ghost. And 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 guys, you think you think this was good? <laughs> you wait till you go back to your world with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And, and you know what? On that day. Kind of like some of you looking at me, they didn't believe it. You know, I know that because when uh, when Jesus died, so many of them went back to their old life. They, they didn't even believe him at this moment. But about 50, 60 days later, Peter would stand up and begin to preach. And in one sermon, 3,000 would be saved and as literally his body is under the power of the Holy Ghost, no doubt. He went, oh, this is what he was talking about. Just skip a couple of chapters and we find out that they turned the whole world upside down. And they went, oh, that's what he was talking about. They would be thrown in prison and beaten, but then they would get out and go right back to preaching the gospel. And more people would get saved. they go, oh, that's what he was talking about. Sorcerers would come to try to buy the anointing and then get saved. And they would say, oh, that's what he was talking about. There were so many people that needed miracles that Peter couldn't even get to him. So he just would do a drive-by walk and his shadow would heal the sick. And he would go, oh, that's what he was talking about. And one day this, this murderer, this terrorist would walk into the church named Saul 
radically saved, radically turned around and the disciples would look at Saul his name would be turned to Paul and they would say oh that's what he was talking about and I dare you if you'll take what you've heard this week and not just let it come in you but let it go through you in about a week and two weeks and three weeks and three months four months five months and a year from now you'll, you'll, you'll come back to this night and go oh that's what Jabin was talking about. And is, is there anybody tonight that says, Jabin, I can't stay here. I'm ready to take a step of faith. At whatever level you're at in your life, and I'm ready to do what God has called me to do. Who am I preaching? Am I preaching to you tonight? Am I preaching to you tonight? I want you, we're going to begin to sing, Spirit, lead me. I want you to come out of your seats to this altar. We're about to pray for you. We're going to pray a prayer of sending. Come on, come out of your seat. We're going to pray in just one moment. And as you come, would you lift up your hands? And take me deeper than my feet could ever want. Then my faith would be stronger. Can we get those words up? Come on, we want to sing this. Spirit lead. Spirit, lead me where my trust. Come on, you sing it up, Lord. up your hands. We can't stay here. So this is oil, uh, olive oil, I assume, and it's not the Holy Spirit, but it represents the Holy Spirit. And tonight, me and uh, Pastor Cody, any leaders that you have that you've ordained or whatever, pastors, whatever, we're going to just put a little oil on our hands. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to we're going to ask God to empower you to take what he's done in you and that God would do something through you and that even this week and even this month we would see miracles, salvations turnarounds we would, we would be famine breakers in our city, come on and so whoever your leaders are let's just begin to, to do that right now and so you're just going to worship the team is going to sing it, whatever songs they want, however many they want and we're going to take about 10, 15 minutes to just worship and receive. 
and the leaders are going to come. We're just going to pray for you, anoint you. Leaders, pray, prophesy.